By faith, the Bible declares it. The just shall live by faith. Coming up next on Daily in Christ, what living by faith can do. And I welcome you once again to the Daily in Christ podcast. I'm Mark Van Oos, and we are in a great study. Not only in the book of Hebrews, that study is called Hebrews, the Glory of the New Covenant, but also in a mini-series within that larger series called The Just Shall Live by Faith. We're in episode four in the Just Shall Live by Faith mini-series, 34 in the Hebrews series. And we've spent a lot of time so far laying the foundation, laying the groundwork on the subject of the just shall live by faith. First of all, the necessity of the just shall live by faith. We also talked about what faith is and what faith is not. Last time on Daily in Christ, we talked about the fact that faith receives, takes in, and appropriates what God's grace through Jesus Christ has already supplied. And we discussed the fact that God in his grace through Jesus has supplied all. We have all now. That's important to understand. As complete and total as Jesus is, so are we because we have him. How can we have him and not have all? In fact, if we were to have anything more, we would bankrupt heaven. Jesus is everything. And faith takes and personally appropriates what God has already richly supplied in Christ. Well, we also talked about what faith is not. Faith is not leap and the net will appear. Faith is not a feeling. Faith is not wishful thinking. Faith is not faith in faith. And uh, faith is not believe simply for believing's sake. We went on to go through Hebrews 11 verses 1 and 2. Faith is the substance, the ground of confidence, the guarantee of things hoped for. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. And remember, we talked about the fact, I believe the evidence. People have this little saying that says, um, I believe it. Uh, rather, God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. And it's that middle part that's incorrect. We should say, God said it, and that settles it. And because it's settled, I believe it. You know, nothing really should come between the truth of God's word and our believing. Even if it's, well, I don't understand this. We need to take God's word at face value. We need to take God's word as it is and trust him, trust his word. We talked about the fact that faith is in things not seen. It looks to God who is in the unseen based on the reality of his word. And even Science is starting to recognize that the things we see are really based on things we cannot see. So um, there is great truth there in Hebrews 11, 1 to 2. Now, as we get into today's lesson, I was going through all of Hebrews chapter 11, and I was struck by all of these by faith statements. It says over and over, by faith, by faith, or through faith. And what I did was I went through all of the verses that say by faith or through faith to extract out what 
faith accomplishes. Living by faith accomplishes. Now, as I say that, I have to be very careful. It's not faith itself that accomplishes these things. Rather, it is God himself by grace through faith in Christ. It's important to keep that in mind. Otherwise, we're going to be focused on faith instead of focused on Jesus and his word. But let me just share this. I think it's going to be encouraging to you. It was encouraging to me as I was putting it together. What by faith accomplishes. In verse 2, we see by faith we obtain a good testimony. Verse 3 tells us by faith we acknowledge God as our creator. Verse 4, by faith we worship God more excellently. Verses 5 and 6, by faith we please God. Verse 7, by faith we become an heir of righteousness. Verse 8, by faith we obey God no matter where he leads us. Verse 9, by faith we dwell in the promises of God. Verse 11, by faith we receive strength from God to do what is impossible for us to do. Verse 17, by faith we are made faithful to God no matter the cost. Verses 20 through 21, by faith we bring God's blessing to the next generation. Verse 22, by faith we are delivered out of bondage and brought into the destiny of God. Verse 23, by faith parents protect their children from evil. Verses 24 through 26, by faith we reject the world's accolades and sinful pleasures, identifying instead with God and his people. Verse 27, by faith we do forsake the world. We don't fear man, yet endure, because faith sees God who is invisible. Verse 28, by faith we accept and believe in the blood of the Passover lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ, and so are spared the wrath of God. Verse 29, by faith we experience the miraculous deliverance of God from the enemy. Verse 30, by faith we experience the miraculous victory of God over the enemy. Verse 31, by faith we can, uh, God can turn us from a sinful lifestyle to a far greater purpose with the people of God. Verse 33a, by, through faith we subdue kingdoms. Verse 33b, through faith we work righteousness. Verse 33c, through faith we obtain promises. Verse 33d, through faith we stop the mouths of lions. Verse 34a, through faith we quench the violence of fire. Verse 34b, through faith we escape the edge of the sword. Verse 34c, through faith Out of weakness, we are made strong. Verse 34D, through faith, we become valiant in battle. In verse 34E, through faith, we turn to flight the armies of the enemy. Verse 35A, through faith, we receive the dead raised to life again. And verses 35b through 38 through faith, we are given unswerving courage, even when we are tortured, mocked, scourged, chained, imprisoned, stoned, sawn in two, slain with the sword, destitute, afflicted, and tormented. That is why the just shall live by faith. Isn't that powerful? Just going through Hebrews chapter 11, extracting out those things that happen by 
God through his grace by faith in Jesus Christ. It is not because we're so awesome. It's because God is that incredible. All right, let's uh, get our Bibles into verse 3, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3. And uh, this is what we read. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. First of all, it says, by faith, we. Isn't it interesting? We turn into this incredible chapter on faith in Hebrews chapter 11, specifically that the just shall live by faith. And it starts with us. By faith, we. And it starts with us believing God as the creator, as the one who created it all. Genesis 1.1, the very beginning of the Bible, first verse says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And here in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3, it says that uh, by faith we understand that the worlds literally the universes were framed by the word of god we see and 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 the amplified of that that word worlds says that the worlds during the successive ages think about the vastness of the universe you know it's interesting the things that scientists are discovering more and more uh, about the universe, and yet I think they'll be the first to say the more they discover, the more they realize how much more there is to know. Consider this. The basic unit of measurement when it comes to scale the size of the universe is a light year. You know, for us here on Earth, the basic scale of measurement of distance might be a mile here in the States and might be in a kilometer everywhere else. Well, out in the universe, the basic scale of distance is a light year. That's the distance that light travels in one year. Now, light is incredibly fast, 100,000 meters per second, and um, light in one year travels 1.874 trillion miles. So one light year is 1.874 trillion miles. Now, I don't know about you, but something in my brain trips a circuit breaker when I think of a huge number like 1.874 trillion miles. One day I was pondering this and I thought, okay, if we were to take pennies and stack up 1.874 trillion pennies, besides being incredibly rich, <laughs> how tall would that stack of pennies be? Well, would you believe that a stack of 1.874 trillion pennies, these are stacked, not side by side, would go to the moon, all the way to the moon, and back nearly 12 times. Now, folks, when we talk about a light year, we're not talking about 1.874 trillion thicknesses of pennies. We're talking about 1.874 trillion miles. And that's just one light year. That's the, if you will, the foot of the universe. Our sun is a star. And that star is part of of a large grouping of stars called a galaxy. Our galaxy is known as the Milky Way. And would you believe that the Milky Way galaxy, our galaxy, is 100,000 light years across? That's incredible. 
There are billions of stars within our galaxy alone. And the Milky Way galaxy isn't particularly large when it comes to other galaxies. And then consider this. Scientists believe there may be billions of galaxies throughout the whole universe. As a matter of fact, 10 billion trillion stars. And then this past March, astrophysicists announced that there is the beginning of evidence that our universe may not be the only universe. There may be many more. (laughs) Boy, I don't know about you, but that just makes me say, wow, God, you are amazing. I mean, if his created order is so fantastic, how great is our creator God? And we understand by faith that this world and the worlds beyond were framed by the word of God. In Isaiah 40, verse 26, it says, Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these things, who brings out their host by number. He calls them all by name, by the greatness of his might and the strength of his power. Not one is missing. Psalm 33, verse 6 says this, By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. God is so amazing. He's so powerful that he created the entire universe and universes beyond by the word of his mouth. That's what it says here in Hebrews eleven three. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. The word here in Hebrews 11.3, the Greek word is rhema, which means spoken word. Romans 4.17b says, God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. In Hebrews 1.3, uh, when we began our study, it says this, speaking of the Lord Jesus, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Boy, all of a sudden, our big, huge problems seem awfully teeny tiny compared to the gargantuan scale of our incredible creator, God. You know, we understand all of this by faith that God is indeed the creator, God. We embrace what it says in Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And we embrace the fact that he did it by the word of his mighty power. You know, regardless of what man says, we understand all of this by faith. Regardless of what even science says, we understand all of this by faith. You know, science can change, but God's holy word does not. Even science is having to rethink itself repeatedly. Remember, it was believed a long time ago that the earth was the center of the universe. Well, it was discovered later that indeed it was not the center of the universe, not even the center of our own solar system. There are new discoveries that are happening all the time in the area of astronomy and astrophysics. And every time they discover something new, it opens up more mysteries. It's 
incredible, and it all points to the greatness of God. Remember what Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith says, God said it, and that settles it for me, even in our understanding of the created order and how God created it. Moving on to Hebrews 11 verse 4, it says this, By faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained a witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it he being dead still speaks. And as a refresher, let's go over to Genesis chapter 4 and read the account of uh, the first children of Adam and Eve. Beginning in verse 1, Now Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you but you should rule over it. Now Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. So now you are cursed from the earth, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. Now I want to stop right there because that's about all the further we need to go. And sometimes we can read this account here in Genesis chapter 4, scratch our heads and go, I don't get it. Uh, Well, obviously Cain had serious anger issues. He killed his brother, but what's the deal about the offerings? I don't see what the difference was. Well, we gain a whole lot more insight uh, through the Holy Spirit in what is said about Cain and Abel in the New Testament. Particularly, we see right here in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4, it says, By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, And through it, he being dead still speaks. So we see that Abel offered an offering by faith. Well, let's take a moment and and raise the question, well, what was wrong with Cain's offering? Well, in 1 John 3, 12, we read that Cain was of the wicked one. Uh, Not as Cain, who was of the wicked one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brothers were righteous. Now that's powerful. You see, the offering that Cain gave was evil before the Lord. It was sinful before the Lord. Why was that the case? Because it was not offered by faith. 
And remember what it says in Romans 14, 23, that all that is not of faith is sin. And so since Cain's offering was not by faith, it was therefore a sinful and it was an evil offering. It was an offering of works, not by faith, based upon the grace of God. And a little bit later on, when we look at uh, the incidents of Abraham and his faith that's raised in uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to talk about this in greater depth. But let me bring this up from Romans chapter 4, verse 16. It says that it is a faith that it might be according to grace, that it might be guaranteed to all the heirs. That's in Romans 4, 16. And so we see a connection point. In fact, we talked about this a couple of episodes ago between the grace of God and faith. It's key to understand that. So, Cain's offering was an offering of his own righteousness, his own works. It was not by faith. It was not based upon the grace of God. It was his efforts, his works, his righteousness, not God's. It was about Cain getting his way, not God's. And when Abel got in Cain's way, he eliminated him by murdering him. 1 John chapter 3, verses 11 through 12 says this, For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain, who was of the wicked one, and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil, and his brothers were righteous. Folks, this underscores the importance of the just shall live by faith. The best definition of sin that I can find in the Bible was what I mentioned a few moments ago in Romans chapter 14, verse 23, where it says, everything that is not of faith is sin. And we can see this dramatically in the case of Cain and his evil offering. All right, well, then what was right with Abel's offering? Well, it says in Hebrews 11:4 that Abel's offering was won by faith. You know, with Abel's death, we can see the persecution of those who live by faith, those who are of the righteousness of faith. Satan has always opposed this towering truth that the just shall live by faith. And again, Faith is connected to grace, and grace is about God loving you, totally loving you, totally blessing you, totally accepting you, not because you are so good, but because he is that good. Martin Luther, the great reformer, in his commentary on Galatians notes, and this is powerful, this rock was, remember, the just shall live by faith. This rock was shaken by Satan in paradise when he persuaded our first parents that they might be their own, or rather by their own wisdom and power become like God, abandoning faith in God who had given them life and promised its continuance. Shortly afterwards, that liar and murderer incited a brother to murder his brother for no reason than that the latter, a godly man, had offered by faith a more excellent sacrifice, while he himself, being ungodly, had offered his own works without faith and had not pleased God. 
After this, there followed a ceaseless and intolerable persecution of this same faith by Satan through the sons of Cain. Until God was compelled to purge the world and defend Noah, the preacher of righteousness, by means of the flood. Thereafter, the whole world acted like a madman against this faith, inventing innumerable idols and religions with which everyone went his own way, hoping to placate a god or goddess, gods or goddesses, by his own works. That is, hoping without the aid of Christ and by his own works to redeem himself from evils and sins. Let me repeat that last part. That is, hoping without the aid of Christ and by his own works to redeem himself from evils and sins. Since therefore Cain kills Abel continually and the abominations of Satan now reign supreme, it is necessary to pay the very closest heed to this doctrine and to oppose Satan with it, whether we are eloquent or not, learned or not. Boy, I couldn't have said it better. That is Martin Luther from his uh, commentary on Galatians. How important is the just shall live by faith? Well, Boy, we've talked about it a lot in this mini-series within our larger Hebrew series. It is critical. It is the difference between living a life that pleases a God and one that doesn't please God. It means the difference between serving God righteously and serving Him sinfully. Look at the case of Cain and Abel. Very striking. Now we move on to uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verses 5 and 6. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You know, Enoch is one of those people that's noted in the very beginning of the Bible in the book of Genesis as a very godly man. He walked with God and it was noted that he pleased God. And the next thing you know, he was gone. He was taken up to heaven. One of the few people uh, in the Bible that was that didn't see death, but actually were taken up to be with God. By faith, Enoch pleased God. That's so important. Do you want to please God? Do you want God to, to be pleased with you? Be pleased with what you do? My friend, nothing has changed since Enoch. By faith, we please God. And without faith, as it says in Hebrews eleven six, and this is one of the greatest statements in all of the Bible, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. This goes right along with that phrase that we've been talking about here. The just shall live by faith. That's in Habakkuk 2.4, Romans 1.17, Hebrews 10.38, Galatians 3.11. That was in episode two when we talked about that of this uh, mini-series here. Romans 1.17 adds to the 
principle of the just shall live by faith, from faith to faith. So the entire Christian life is one that goes by faith, from faith. It's kind of like the way you walk. You walk from your left foot to your right foot, to your left foot, to your right foot, step by step. We go from faith to faith. And again, he, Romans 14, 23, whatever is not from faith is sin. So without faith, it is impossible to please God. Now, what's the flip side of that? With faith, it is possible to please God. Why? Because we're not looking to ourselves as God. We're looking to God as God. And that pleases him. You know, in the fall of man, one of the most catastrophic things it did was brain damage to us. It actually had us believe that we are the center of the universe, that we are God. And that's foolishness. We are not God. We are not the creator. We are the created. In fact, we're very teeny tiny and insignificant in the vastness of the cosmos. And so it is extreme foolishness for us to look to ourselves, if you will, have faith in ourselves in order to please God. That's ridiculous. Pleasing God is God-sized, and it requires God himself. It's looking to him, trusting him. Now, here in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says, But without faith it is impossible to please him for... Whenever you see a second clause come along in the Bible, it's going to tell you the reason for the prior cause. It's the because, okay? So what's the reason uh, that uh, without faith it is impossible to please God? Well, it says, first of all, that those who come to God. You see, we have a living faith. The object of our faith is not things. It's not even the Bible. The object of our faith is God himself. Those in faith come to God. In uh, John 5, 39, Jesus was talking to the scribes, Pharisees, and teachers of the law. And he said of them, You search the scriptures, for in them, the scriptures, you think you have eternal life. Yet these are they which testify about me, but you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. Now that puts everything together. You see, Jesus wasn't chiding them for searching the scriptures, but they were searching the scriptures for the wrong thing. They didn't realize the scriptures were not that which is eternal life, but the scriptures pointed to the one, the Lord Jesus, who is eternal life. And so they had their nose in the Bible instead of what the Bible does in pointing us to Jesus. And faith is faith in Jesus himself. Those who come to God, we serve a living God. Faith comes to the living God. And that's the problem with religion. Religion is just dead doctrine. It's just dead practice. It's dead going through the motions. Real faith is a connection with the living God made possible by the grace of God through the Lord Jesus Christ. It's faith in a person, the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Now, the second thing that we see here in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, is it says this, that the one who comes to God must believe that he is. Now, there is something behind that statement that he is that has a powerful backing from the Old Testament. Do you remember when Moses was commissioned of the Lord to leave the Midian desert and go back to Egypt. God had called him to return to the strongest nation on earth, to confront the strongest king on earth, Pharaoh, and to bring out over two million people. I don't know about you, but that is just downright crazy impossible. And this is in Exodus chapter 3. Moses asked the Lord a very good question. He says, who shall I say sent me? And the Lord pulled out his calling card, his name card. And he revealed, tell them, I am that I am. I am that I am. And that word is translated Jehovah or Yahweh. I am. And in that, Moses found all of the full sufficiency he ever needed to be able to turn right back and go to Egypt to confront the strongest king on earth, the strongest nation on earth, and to bring out, to draw out. That's what the word, the name Moses means, draw out. To draw out and lead over two million people in the Exodus. It wasn't because Moses was so great. It was because I am is so great. God is so great. And you know, it's interesting. I said that I am, as it's revealed there in Exodus chapter 3, is the Hebrew word Jehovah. And this name Jehovah comes up in compound names throughout the Old Testament. For instance, Jehovah Jireh means, Jireh means provider. Put the two together. Jehovah means I am. Provider means, or Jireh means provision. Literally, it means Jehovah Jireh means I am provision. God says, I am provision. Uh, How about this? Jehovah Rapha. Jehovah means I am. Rapha means healing. Put them together. Literally means I am healing. How about Jehovah Rohi? I am shepherd. How about Jehovah Sidkenu? I am righteousness. How about Jehovah Mekedesh? I am sanctification. I am holiness. How about Jehovah Nisi? That is, I am victory. You see, there's so much. And then there's Jehovah Shalom. I am peace. You see, God is saying that the provision that we need, the healing we need, the deliverance that we need, the righteousness that we need, the holiness that we need are not things, but part and parcel of the living God himself. He identifies himself as being the now provision for everything we could possibly need. God says, I am. I am. 
And in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it comes up against this idea of God being I am, where it says that those who come to God must believe that he is. I am that I am. The second thing it says there, and that he, God, is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You see what it is? You see where the blessing and the reward is? It's not seeking to become a more righteous person, seeking to become a more good person or a, or a more holy person, even trying to be more Christ-like. No. Rather, he is a rewarder. God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And I think that's my chief complaint with modern Christianity. Most of what is taught in modern Christianity is not God-centered. It doesn't bring in the hearer the desire to seek after God. Rather, it, it, it brings out this seeking after things like prayer or evangelism or, or all of those things. But you see, all of those things have the right context with a person the person of the living God, the one who says, I am that I am. Let's bring it all together there in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. One of the greatest statements in all of the Bible, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. Reason? For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You know, so often I've heard messages where Hebrews eleven six is quoted, but only the first part where it says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. But they neglect the second part of the verse, which is critical, that gives the reason for the first part. And that second part is totally God-centered. For he who comes to God, that's one mention of God, must believe that he is, that's the second, and that he is, that's the third, a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Godliness is exactly that. Godliness. It is the God life. It is the God-centered life. It is the life that pursues God. It is the God who believes in God. It is the life that sees that God is I am. He is everything I need. And here's what's so amazing about the new covenant is that God guarantees all in our life by giving us himself, not only for us, thank God for that, but in us, Christ in us, the hope of glory. That's Colossians 1.28. That's the incredible thing. Now think about this. The immeasurable, infinite, omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent God is inside of you, believer. If you are born again by the grace of God through the Holy Spirit, the living God, the creator of the entire universe and universes beyond is living inside of you. That's why John could say in 1 John, that greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. Is there anything too difficult for the Lord? No. And as we've been saying all along, some of us might be saying, well, if the omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent God is living inside of me, why am I having all these problems? The problem is, 
that we can act like Cain, where we try to live by our own righteousness, our own works. We're thinking this Christian life is about try harder. No, it's not. The Christian life is the just shall live by faith. And as we said at the top of the program, when you go through all of Hebrews chapter 11, all of the by faith and through faith statements and extract out what is accomplished by faith, it is astounding. And it is truly God honoring. Every bit is God honoring as Abel's sacrifice was to God as an offering by faith. Let's pray. Father, even now by faith we look to you. Without you we can do nothing. That's what you said in John fifteen five. But you also said, Lord, in Mark uh, ten twenty seven, without with God all things are possible. And I thank you for that, Lord. I thank you that you are the God who is so, as it says in James one five, so generous, and you give without finding fault. Thank you, Lord, that our Christian life is not based on us trying harder or trying to be more righteous or striving or struggling. No, our Christian life is a rest in the one who dwells inside of us. And so, Father, I pray that you, by the Holy Spirit, will take this holy word that we have been studying here today. And, Father, again, Grant us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the full knowledge of you. I thank you, Lord, that you have enlightened our hearts through the Holy Spirit so that we may know the hope of our calling, the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of your power toward us who believe like the working of your mighty strength, which you exerted in Christ when you raised him from the dead. Lord, you are indeed pleased when we live our faith and our life in dependence upon you. We thank you for that, Lord, and we give you the glory through Jesus and by Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.